What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Super pumped. We've got a very cool guest here today with us. She's got very dynamic, a great story. So sit back, relax, and tune in. She is a custody consultant, an entrepreneur, and founder of Best Foot Forward. Please welcome Renee Rodriguez. Renee, thank you for joining us today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, great. I'm looking forward to it as well. Thanks, Dan. So you actually have gone through some life experiences that has propelled you to where you are today. Now, I am a product of a of a broken home. You know what? My father was very abusive, very abusive. He was a deadbeat dad, you know, so my mom didn't pursue him for any child support really at all because we just didn't want him around because he was so abusive. So you actually, you've experienced a custody battle in, in co-parenting in court that that create, that create um, motivated you to create, to, to become the founder of Best Foot Forward. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and what made you do that? Sure, sure. I, um, when I first met my ex, you know, my, my son's father, I was in a great place. I was working with the C-suite. I was running a theater company that was about to go off Broadway. Um, I had a side business that was doing well. I was at the the top of the world. Um, Things started to crumble a bit when I met him. Um, This is the type of person who, you know, as soon as we met, we were talking all night. He said, I love you. Three weeks in, he wanted to move in together one month in. At the time, I didn't understand that this was love bombing. So um, we were together for a couple of years. And things really changed the day that I told him I was pregnant. I actually, I remember the moment I always describe it as I told him I was pregnant and eight seconds went by for some reason that always sticks with me. And then something in his eyes changed. And I never again saw the man that I had been dating and thought I had fallen in love with unless we were in public. Um, Behind the scenes, there was a course of control. There was gaslighting. There was isolation. Uh, You know, I would try to go out with friends and be like, why would you need friends when you've got me? Um, I was walking on eggshells. He would blame me for everything that happened in his world. And I would dread just hearing his footsteps approaching the front door and hearing the door slam and wonder what I'd done wrong this time, even though we had seen each other all day. So when I finally left, I fled. Um... I had a friend say that she thought that I was being mentally abused. I asked her what that meant. Keep in mind that I'm like the head of all these things. And yeah. it's, and here it is, you know, really proof that it doesn't, there's no defining quality, really, right? There's no station in life that can keep you from these things. But it was interesting because I ended up calling the therapist. I had just started seeing after I told him I was pregnant and things got weird. And I said to her, do you think I'm being mentally abused? And she said, yes. And I said, my God, why didn't you say something to me? She said, there's no real way to tell people that. Um, What I did do was I taught you how to use your voice with him in the face of his rage. And doing that, you began to see that just speaking did that right. But I was a shell of who I was. I was afraid to speak. I no longer trusted myself or my thinking or my opinions. Um, I was starting to follow his philosophies in life, his community, uh, his way of eating, his way of everything. Yeah. So 
When I fled, I called the DV hotline and I said, what should I say to him? And they said, based on everything you're telling us, we, we think you should just go. Yeah. So I took my five-month-old and I left with a friend who told me I was being mentally abused. And um, over the next couple of weeks, I interviewed uh, 13 lawyers. <laughs> 13 is one of my lucky numbers. So um, then I got a little bit of advice from each of them, but I started in a custody battle. And here's where things got really interesting for me. Um, as somebody who has always worked in strategy, administration, coaching, and teaching, I had a good head on me for the case. And that's not usually what happens, right? We don't go to college and take uh, divorce court 101. It's it's not an expectation for people. So you don't know what to expect. And so I hobbled through as best I could. I liked my lawyer. He was good. So I had a good lawyer, which is not often the case or not always the case. Um, I knew what was what, but and he had some real problems that were easily um, identifiable. Yeah. But he still appeared beautifully to people. Sure. Um, when we went through the custody evaluation, she said it, she'd never seen a father more doting with his child. And I, w I was struck speechless because I had just given her a thick binder <clears throat> of the types of, excuse me, the types of emails that he would send. Yeah. So along the way, I realized that in spite of the fact of having a good lawyer and a good head on my shoulders, something was missing. I needed help. But why would I need help? I'm in court. I've got a lawyer. Yeah. That's when I discovered by accident, as I was trying to recover from the abuse, I discovered narcissistic abuse and understood that's what was happening to me and not just um, abuse, but narcissistic abuse, as if any one of them were worse or better than the other. But that was the type. Once I knew the type of abuse that allowed me to recover during that recovery, I discovered a name of someone who was a giant in the industry. And I'm lucky to now call a friend, Tina Swithin. Um, I looked her up. And she was still taking uh, people at the time. So she became my divorce coach. She changed, just, just having this person with me changed the trajectory of my case. Wow. And when we were going along right before that custody evaluation, she said to me, hey, um, this is not my area. You know, custody evaluations are crucial. Um, really, it's almost like the linchpin, really, of your case. And there are two only two people I know who coach in this. Um, one of them is about to retire because she just can't take the horror stories anymore. It's too difficult for her. It was too much for her. Yeah. The other is full forever. Um, but let me see if I can get you in. She came back. I can't get you in. But you've got strategy as a background. Put some stuff together and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, I put something together and I gave her my case and I said, this is what I put together. And she said, I've never seen anything like this. You yeah. have so clearly laid it out in such a way that really shows what's what. She said, I think you should be doing this. And I said, slow your roll. <laughs> Got to get through this custody battle first. Yeah. Um, but about a year and a half after the battle was finally done, I did indeed start sharing the templates. I started enhancing the templates. And that was the beginning of the custody blueprint, um, which is now the work that I do with Best Foot Forward. Um, so after that, the entrepreneurial part of me really kicked in, um, said goodbye to my corporate job and realized that as painful as everything was and everything that I'd gone through and as much as I needed to let go of the fact that I had saddled my son with this man as a father, um, 
the journey I had gone through was bringing me to something, right? Um, You know, I'm an instructional designer. I'm a strategist and I'm now a divorce, uh, I'm sorry, um, domestic violence advocate. All of these things together, I suddenly realized have brought me to the point where this is the work that I do. This is the work I've been doing. And it has indeed made a difference in people's cases and I feel nothing but gratitude for it in spite of what I went through, just gratitude that I'm able to bring this to others um, and take that journey with them. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Wow. You touched my heart. I know. And I've, that's a very difficult thing to go through when you are in a relationship like that. Cause I've been there. I've talked to other women that have been there. My mother was there with my father. So it's like, it's an unfortunate, it's very difficult, but you know, there's always, I think, a lesson or or uh, a reason to go through it. Your reason was to create this incredible blueprint for other women to use that might need it and to be an advocate for uh, domestic violence. Wow, that that's intense. <laughs> what what would you say to someone that might be going through something right now that's that's similar? What would be some advice or some guidance that you would like to share with them? Yeah. Um, You know, I think the top thing I would say is something that a lot of people when they come to me already know, um, but it is important to still keep repeating, which is that you need to document everything, everything. Um, You know, if you're to the point where if you're able to uh, record in your state, if your state allows it, you're going to want to just look up recording laws, put in your state, and it'll either say two party or one party. If it's one party, and you're a party to the conversation, then you're able to stealthily, secretly record. Um, if it's two party, then you're not able to record. But if you're able to record every handoff, every game that they're at with you, you've got to be recording from start to finish. Don't start in the middle when the conflict has already started or it's not good evidence because anything could have happened before. They'll claim you provoked them, right? Um, all the emails, all the text messages, all of it. Um statements, emails from teachers, coaches, pediatrician notes, whatever the particular problems and concerns are in your case, you're going to want to especially gear towards that. If it's um, that you have a particularly religious, you know, religion is a problem or food is a problem or um, neglect, abuse, any of it, you need to document all of it. Um, That's the first thing I would say. And certainly there's obviously a lot more, but if you were, yeah, if it's the one thing I would say document everything, everything tirelessly. Nobody's immune to being in a relationship like that. I mean, you, you yourself, you were a total successful boss, babe, and you ended up with in a relationship that was, you know, abusive and and you were stuck basically until you decided to get out. What would you say would be, uh, you mentioned something you called Divi or what, what did you say you called? Divi, sorry, domestic violence, um, a DV advocate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, where can people find that? Is it is it like nationwide or is it something that's per state? Well, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I mentioned that when you go into battle, I thought I have a lawyer, I have me. 
Um, it turns out if you're going to battle against a domestic abuser, then you need a team. And so wherever you're at, you're going to need to be a DV advocate. Um, they are usually called a DV domestic violence advocate. Um, the easiest way to find them is usually just to call the DV hotline. You tell them where you live and they'll send you to um, whoever has, whoever um, is, whichever organizations are um housing these DV advocates, for lack of a better word. It could be a women's shelter. It could be um, a domestic violence organization. Um, it could be a law organization. Um, but DV advocates are, generally speaking, free. And what they do for you is they simply provide support. But um, when I'm working with people, I tell them to take some extra steps with their DV advocate that will also help in their case. Because yes, it helps to have a DV advocate who will then appear on Zoom or in the courtroom for your court appearances, right? Sure. Because then it shows, it's like when they have to name themselves on Zoom, they call them, the, one of the great things about Zoom is they can call themselves DV advocate for plaintiff, for defendant, whatever, they, yeah. because they don't have to say their names right. and they're allowed to stay there the whole time. And just having somebody there who's a recognized wow. DV advocate makes a statement. Yeah, um, but you should have them anyway, because women leave these, and sometimes men, but I say women because statistically it's largely overwhelmingly females. Oh, yeah. So I'll just use that in a more blanket way. But women leave to escape the abuse, but the post-separation abuse through them and through court is can feel even more intense. Right, so having that domestic violence advocate there to lean on is great. Yeah. Um, so I recommend that your team be your lawyer, your DV advocate, your therapist, your coach, and you can usually find others that you might need depending on your case. Sure. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Where can people find you, connect with you, and learn more if they are potentially or know someone that's going through something similar to this that could use your help? So you can go to thecustodyblueprint.com. Um, when you go to thecustodyblueprint.com, you'll learn a little bit more about us. Um, there's a masterclass there that it's only about 30 minutes long, but it can really change the course of somebody's case just if they have this basic knowledge about going to court against somebody who's an abuser. Yeah. Um, so it would be great for people to go there, check that out, and they can find us there. Um, and then another spot, if you're just looking for templates, as you go through your case to put your documentation together, custodytemplates.com has been enormously helpful to people who just, maybe they're towards the end of their journey. They just need to throw things together. And there are um, things that work there to show the abuse um, in the best possible way. I do feel like I want to say it's statistically, we find that over 80% of women who call it abuse or mention abuse have a one third to one half more likelihood of losing their children um, due to the gender bias in court. So it's important that when you are documenting and presenting your documentation, that you're actually not calling it abuse, even though, I mean, it's maddening because that's exactly what it is. Wow, I didn't know that. Dead. You don't want to do it. So instead, what you want to do is you want to call it patterns of behavior and you want to say, here's patterns of neglect. Here's patterns of religious fervor. Here's, you know, patterns of gun ownership, anything like that. Wow. Um, 
where you're basically going through and you're showing just that instead of acting normally with any of the thing, anybody can be religious, anybody can be a gun owner. But when you've got people who are using it to abuse, then you're going to want to actually focus on the concerns themselves and call them concerns and issues and show the evidence of it. Um, But if you call it abuse, um, our system, it's, it's, it makes things harder for you, unfortunately. A little flawed. Thank you for sharing all that. That was very informative. There's light at the end of the, there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? (laughs) Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, look, when we work with people, one of the biggest things we come out of it, you know, clients come out of it and they say, I feel empowered. I feel more confident. I feel way less triggered when I go through all of this evidence and I'm putting it together so that I'm of a clear mind to be able to choose the right evidence to bring in. Because out of the hundreds of pages you have, what we say is you're going to use about 5% of all your of all of your wonderful evidence. Only 5% of it is what you should go in with, just about, right? But if you go in and you do these things and you go in as the protective parent, as the protective mom, and you're showing things in a certain way, then it allows you to have a level of persuasion that you wouldn't normally have yeah. to be prepared to appear in court in a way that doesn't give in to the common abusive narrative of she's mentally ill, she's crazy, she's got this, that, and the other thing. Um And that preparation allows you to go in and get the best possible custody arrangement for your kids. Um, So yes, because if worse comes to worst, the interesting thing is that by putting them under a microscope, they have to at least pretend to clean up some of these behaviors, which will at least help ease things, even the tiniest bit more for your kids as well. Sure. So how do things, how are things for you and your ex? So um, it's been a while since, um, you know, we got done with ours. Um, I did get primary custody. I did get um, final decision making and we did manage to get it through settlement. Um, So even though I spent tens of thousands of dollars, I've saved wildly more tens of thousands of dollars. Um, And in terms of, you know, we found a way to be civil. Uh, Someone who has narcissistic personality disorder isn't going to get better. At this time, psychologists have admitted they don't have a cure for this. They don't have medicine for it. So luckily he's paying attention to others at the moment. He's got other, what we call narcissistic supply. Um, And he usually does, which allows our relationship to be pretty good. He also, I think, knows what I do. So um, he knows perhaps better than to do some things. But in the end, um, I would say that in spite of it all, he does put forth an effort at this point now to try to get us to get along. So that's another little bit of light at the end of the tunnel is that for most of my clients, when they come back to me some years later, they say, you were right. The dust did settle. And it was about six to 12 months later. <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah. that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> there is light at the end of the, end of the tunnel, guys, ladies, whoever's listening, if you're going through this, go, please contact uh, Renee. So where can they good, share your, your, either your social media handles, your website, where can people connect with you and learn more? 
Yeah, pretty much. If you do the custody blueprint um, anywhere, you can find us on, you know, Instagram, Facebook. On Facebook, we do have um, a community that where we do will respond to you from time to time when we see something that the community is not perhaps understanding how to respond to. And that is custody empowerment. So if you find our group custody empowerment on Facebook, go ahead and apply to join that. And um, once you're in, you can get we really really are about advice, not venting. We want to help you with strategy. And so the whole group is less about um, letting go of the rightfully letting go of the anger and more about, okay, you're in a custody case. Let's focus and see what's best. Yeah. Very good. You guys and put all those links in the show notes. So if you or someone, you know, is going through a similar situation and needs some guidance or some help, go click one of those links, reach out to Renee and her team and, uh, get some advice or some clarity on what direction you should go. So Renee, this is the point in the show where I like to ask for last words of advice or wisdom. What would you like to leave with the audience today? You are so brave to have gone through this. And the number one thing I always think is so important to say is you were not just doing the best you could at the time. You are somebody who tried to make something work for your children's sake. And my God, you're an amazing parent. Amazing. Oh, that was beautiful. I think, yeah, that that's very great. Great ending to a great conversation. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for all that you do. You're a pillar of strength. And obviously you found your purpose in life and where um, to help other people go through similar situations. So thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, review, comment, share, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.